Hello, besties. I hope y'all are having a fabulous Monday. We are so excited to be here with you today. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Blondest Podcast. And I'm joined here with storyteller Savannah Boda. Oh, today we're going to talk about my wilderness experience. Yep. She's talked about it before a couple times. Mm-hmm. On the <clears throat> podcast, um, I think one episode is back if you scroll down all the way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think you have maybe a different way of explaining it now. And I feel like, especially like we talked about last week with the like new documentary that came out, it brought even maybe more things up mm-hmm. that you probably still had blocked out the last time you talked about it. Yeah. And I want to preface by saying like, it obviously was like a very traumatic experience and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But I also think, you know, it was a very empowering experience for me. And it really shaped me into the woman I am today. And I think in life, you know, when we go through things, um, you don't know why you're going through something so hard at that time. And you're just like, why is this happening to me? Why does the universe hate me? Like, why am I having this experience? And you don't know until much later, like why that happened to you. And you're just able to have more perspective, more empathy and um, less judgment. And then I also think just makes you resilient when you go through something like that. Like it just makes you such a more in-depth person and less surface level. And I think it just really shapes you in so many ways. And I'm thankful for that experience. I truly am. And I honestly don't know if I would still be here if I hadn't gone through that because I was, you know, going down a really bad path of depression and and eating disorder and just suicidal attempts. And um, I really needed something to shake me to make me realize that life is worth living, that I'm stronger than what I'm going through. And Tyler and I talked about this Um, a couple of podcasts ago about, you know, the area we grew up in in Flower Mound, like you're in a bubble and truly like everything seems like life or death in general when you're in high school and middle school, like what you know is what you know. And it feels like you'll never escape. It's never ending. Like you're in your whole different world, you know, and it's hard when you're going through bullying or you're going through insecurities and you're going through hard things at that time because it is such a big deal and you don't realize until later in life, even though your parents tell you, even though mentors will tell you, like, you're not going to remember any of this in 10 years. Like, this is just going to be such a blip on your radar. Like, it's not that deep. It is, though, that deep when you're going through it and when you're in that circle, you know, like they're like, yes, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. But right now, when that's all, you know, and you have to see these people every day and deal with bullies every single day and social media hate and like everything you're going through, it is all, you know, and it is a big deal. And um, I wasn't able to be strong enough at that time, you know, like it really affected me. And I was like, I don't care if I'm going to be okay in 10 years. I can't live another day feeling like this. Like this yeah. is too hard. Like, I don't even want to make it till 10 years when this isn't a big deal because right now, like, I can't even Mm -hmm. exist. No, for sure. You know, so um, obviously I'm glad that I didn't make those decisions to take my own life because I wouldn't be here today with you guys and have a beautiful son and husband and met you, Tyler, and um, all the amazing things that God and the universe had in store for me. You know, I had no idea about them, but... It's hard when you're going through stuff. And I've always really wanted to go be a speaker for young girls because I do think, you know, it is hard to get through some of that stuff when it is all you know. So for me going to the wilderness and just being taken out of that environment, it honestly, I had a little bit of Stockholm syndrome when I got back because it was like, yes, awful and hard, but it was also very freeing. You know, you didn't have to worry about social media. You didn't have to worry about these bitches that were bullying you. And you didn't have to worry about the guys and you didn't have to worry about your parent. Like you just didn't have to worry about any of the things that were causing you harm at home. It's like you trade one extremity for the next, you know? And honestly, I did pretty well when I was in the wilderness. Like it was abusive and it was hard, but It also made me feel so strong and like I could survive literally anything. Like when I came home, like I was unfuckable with like I had survived one of the hardest things in my entire life. I hiked every single day for seven to 10 miles with a hundred plus pound pack on my back. 
I, you know, pooped in holes and had to boil water over, you know, fire to take a shower and a fire that you made. Yeah. And freezing cold temperatures, you know, January in the middle of Utah. And my anniversary was actually last week for my 10 year. I was sent on January 28th. And, um, you know, I just, it being 10 years ago, like there's so many things I blocked out and like watching that hell camp documentary that just came out on Netflix, like obviously brought up a lot of feelings that, um, and memories that I just really, really, really suppressed. But the reason I want to share this story with you guys is because I think it's important to know where I came from, what I went through, and how it's really shaped me today. And we talked about this last week, but I think in life, you know, you really either let a traumatic experience or a hardship in your life, you know, make you a victim or you decide to be a survivor and let it be a part of the past and give it, you know, the attention that it deserves, but also not let it be the focus of your life and be your story. There's so many chapters to our story. And, you know, I think that's just one of them. It's just a chapter. Yep. And I feel like the more and more you go on, the smaller the chapter becomes. Yeah, definitely. When more chapters come and are added, but yeah. So it is hard because I have very mixed feelings about it. Like, you know, I went through a time period of like very much resenting my parents and like, why this out of everything they could have done, you know, like, why couldn't they have just pulled me out of school? Why couldn't yeah. they have just put me in a different school? Why couldn't we have moved schools? Like, why couldn't they have just found a better therapist or like, why couldn't they have maybe listened to me better, you know, and been a better support system. But, you know, now that I'm a mother, I realize you don't know until you know. And also, you know, just having more empathy and understanding for my parents. They grew up in a generation where mental health was very taboo and you didn't talk about it, you know? And so they didn't have those tools to be what I needed. You know, I needed professional guidance because they were not equipped with Mm -hmm. the right tools to deal with what I was going through and how to handle what I was going through as parents. And so I felt very isolated, very alone and very misunderstood. Like my dad was the kind of guy that was like, oh, you just need to pray it away or go for a walk, you know, like, and then your depression will go away. And I'm like, no, I'm, I have a chemical imbalance. Like, yes, like I do believe, you know, diet and exercise can totally help your mental health. I know that that's studied fact, but there's also a part that it is, you know, what it is and it's depression. Yeah. It's mental. Yeah. It's health. There's nothing you can do about your brain not producing it. Yeah. But so where do you want to start? The beginning? Yeah, the night I was taken. So I remember this obviously very, very vividly. I feel like this would be like... This is more... Out of the whole thing, I don't know. I feel like this would freak me out the most. Like mm-hmm. once I had figured out where I was and what I was doing, I'd be like, yeah, this fucking... Like this is awful. But mm-hmm. like the scare of... Yeah. What happened? I feel like that would be probably one. Should of we the maybe most start traumatic. to like what really was the tipping point and why my parents decided and then get into the night? Yeah. Okay. So during that time in high school, I mean, God, we could make this like a seven hour podcast, <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to try to make it, you know, summarize. Um, growing up, I was a dancer and that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. I loved dancing and I was, you know, pretty good at it. And um, I danced at one of the top places in Texas. Like my parents would drive. What are they called? Dance companies? Yeah. Dance academies, dance companies. I danced at the best dance company and um, I was good. Compared to the other girls, I was not the best, but I was like good for like. Upper middle of the pack. Yeah. Like I was like, like out of like one to 10, I'd probably be like a solid seven out of the group. Because I was more of a passionate dancer. I was less technical because I'm short and I was stocky and short and I wasn't like super skinny and tall. So I didn't have the best leaps and jumps, but I was shorter. So I was a really good turner and I had very good stage presence. Like that's all the time. I kind of like what we were talking about with your friend Alex when he was doing his audition. I was trying to tell him like sometimes I just depends on the judges. But like for me, some dance competitions, I would beat the really technical dancers because I told more of a story when I danced and I made people feel something when I was on stage versus like these girls had no stage presence, but like they could, you know, kick their face and leap the highest and all of that. And it was like, yeah, you're technically a good dancer, but you're boring as fuck to watch. Like I had more, I just was more articulate with my, like how I told a story Mm -hmm. and just my emotions when I danced. So 
Anyways, that's like not important to the story at all. But I, <laughs> everyone has their strengths in dance. And my strengths, I was an amazing turner. Like I could outturn anybody in our dance company. And I had the best stage presence. Like I just, you know, made the judges smile. And they would always comment on me. But I was not the best kicker or jumper um, or the most flexible. So anyways, I was a really good dancer. And, you know, I just never really had really like friends in school growing up. Like I had my best friend who was my neighbor and Kendall and we did everything together. Like she, we grew up together, like Mm -hmm. literally from age zero, you know, like always were neighbors, best friend growing up. And so I had her and I had dance and that was okay. Like I had like the little dance friends here and there, but we drove so far for dance that I didn't have like a bunch of like on the weekend, my mom's like, I'm not going to go take you back all the way to Dallas when we lived in Flower Mound an hour away. Like, we're not going to do that when you're there every single week. Like, you can see, you know what I'm saying? So I didn't really hang out with anyone. You can see them at dance. Yeah. So I was just like, you know, either at dance or at home. And that was my entire life. My mom sacrificed so much for me to be such a good dancer. Like, she put me before my brother even in his sports because dance was like my thing, you know? And so every weekend I was either at dance competitions or at dance class or hanging out with Kendall. And then when I, you know, was, I was a private school girl growing up and I had a really small private school class, like eight people. Mm -hmm. And that was like the same people. We went through every grade together. And then middle school came and I was like, I really want to go to public school. Like I just, you know, want to do that. And so got into public school. Everyone thought I was like this Christian little goody two shoes. And I was, I remember like just not really fitting in at all with anybody. And then there were girls that were dancers at that school. And I was like the only dancer in private school, but there were some dancers at that school, but they danced locally, which was like, just like completely different tier of dance. Like mm-hmm. it's like comparing like Whole Foods or Central Market to Walmart, you know, okay. like not to be a bitch, but like these girlies like could not, that was not like, we wouldn't even compete at the same competitions because there's different level of competitions for different, like it's not fair yeah. to go dance or like play with Kobe, you know, when you're like seven, yeah. like, you know, yeah. Or like play basketball with like a professional Mm -hmm. when you're literally like just learning how to dribble, you know? So, I mean, it just wasn't the same at all. And that's just a fact. So they knew I was like a really good dancer and I grew boobs very, very early too, which was like a big... A blessing and a curse. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. everyone made rumors that I like would stuff my bra and like all the guys liked me. Like I peaked in high or middle school. Like high school, no. Everyone was beautiful in high school, but middle school, like I... Had braces super young. So like when everyone was going through like their awkward braces phase, like I already had like straight, perfect white teeth and like mm-hmm. I had big tits and like, you know, mm-hmm. I was just like, I was the, I ran that middle school, but I wasn't <laughs> like a mean girl and I didn't have friends. I was just kind of like the, you know, girl that. You were the pretty one. I was the pretty one. Yeah. I was, I'm, I'm going to say it. I was <laughs> the hot girl in middle school and it put a target on my back and all the girls hated me and I didn't really get to make friends with them because after school I left and I went straight to dance class. Like I literally, my mom would have a sandwich or Chick-fil-A or like a wrap or a little to-go salad in the car. I would literally, she'd be like, okay, big semi's coming, like cover yourself. And I'd be changing into my leotard in the back of her car. Like I literally went from my school clothes in the car. I'd be doing homework on the way home. I'd be doing homework on the way there, changing, eating. I'd go dance. I'd go home. I'd wake up. I'd do the same thing every day. I had external PE. I didn't do any extracurricular activities when they would go to the park after school or they'd go hang out at whoever's house. Like I was never involved in that ever. And at that time too, I had a really bad eating disorder in middle school and I didn't eat lunch and it made me really uncomfortable because people would comment on me not eating lunch. And so like I never brought a lunch to school. My mom knew she didn't care. Like she wanted me to be skinny at that time because I was in dance and I would just eat one meal, you know, a day. I wouldn't eat breakfast. I wouldn't eat lunch, I would eat my whatever she brought me in the car to go to dance. I'd go to dance and I'd come home and I would do the same thing. So I would hide in the bathroom. One, I didn't eat. And also I didn't really have anywhere to sit and have friends. So um, I would hide in the bathroom. And I remember one day a girl coming in and being, they knew my shoes and they're like, Savannah's in the bathroom. bathroom." And it was just like so embarrassing. So then like I like found a different bathroom or I'd like put my feet up on the toilet and I would just like sit in the bathroom the entire lunch period and then go to my next class. So I was like very isolated and alone um, and dancing at this really big company. And finally high school came and I was like, you know what? I like want to have this high school musical experience that everyone has. And I want to have like a boyfriend on the football team. And I want to be on the drill team, which is like the dance team in high school. And I'm like, I'll do good because I'm the strongest dancer out of anyone. I know everyone that's going to be like there. Like I'm like, it's just like 
am- amateur shit compared to what I was doing. Yeah. You know, I was at a prestigious dance company, like literally like going and doing point dancing in New York and Vegas. Yeah. And like, it was just different. But um, so anyways, I made the drill team and I got really bullied. In the beginning, I remember one of the moms being like, Savannah's going to be captain her senior year. She's the strongest dancer out of the freshman girls that made it. And they started just really isolating me. They had, you know, the Christmas party and they were like, oh, we forgot to email your mom. And they're all like hush hush about it all day. And then like all of a sudden on Facebook, like I see all these pictures of all these girls and like the mom that held the party, like messaged my mom. She's like, oh, well, your email must have gotten left off. Like we totally meant to invite Savannah. And like, no, she fucking didn't. Yeah. Like these moms were so mean. And I remember I didn't go to school for a couple of days because I was just like really hurt by that. And one of the other moms was like, oh, I bet Savannah's pregnant. Went to go have an abortion. Like, I had never had sex before at that point, you know? Crazy. Like, it was just mean. And that's the thing about the town we grew up in. The moms love to be involved in their little teenage girl's drama. Yeah. Like, girl, you're like 40. Like, yeah. <laughs> grow up. And then another rumor was started that I was a lesbian because I didn't have a boyfriend. And, like, I was a very touchy-feely friend. So I'd hugged people. Like, I've always been like that. And so they were like, this one girl's like, I don't feel comfortable changing in front of Savannah, like in the locker rooms, like blah, blah, blah. So then like my drill team instructor had to come pull me aside and be like, you know, this girl has a concern that you're like a lesbian and like looking at her when she's changing. And like, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. And so then everyone would be like all whispery that I'm like this lesbian on the drill team. And like it Who was... also got pregnant somehow. Yeah. That also was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but literally. I'm like, okay. Um... And then they made a huge rumor because me and my brother came from um, a very big Christian school growing up that me and my brother were like incestual. And then it like really affected me and my brother's relationship because we couldn't take family photos together because people literally would comment and be like incest whenever we had a brother sister like Christmas photo or like it was so bad. And then they made another rumor that the reason my parents had money which my parents aren't like rich. They're like mid mid level mid class. OK, we're not. Yeah, they're not like. Anyways, that was that my parents made pornos of me and my brother and sold them. And that's like how my family had money. Not that my dad's a successful financial advisor. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and it was all the girls on the drill team. And I know to this day who it was. Like it took years for it to come out. And she always comments on my shit. I was about to say the same one. You know who it is. The same one. Oh, can I come get a facial? How do you do your social media? I want to grow my social media presence. I'm like, you're Mm -hmm. literally the the one that told everyone that I had an incestual relationship with my brother and that my family made a porno of us. Like, no, bitch. No. Absolutely. I'm very forgiving. But that, the thing is when you drag my family in it and that's always been my thing. You can fuck with me all day. I will take your shit. I'll deal with it on my own. You affected my brother and I's relationship for years to come. And it still hasn't been repaired because he completely avoided me. And I remember him crying and being like, now I'm getting labeled and dragged into your drama because people hate you so fucking much. It's now affecting me and my life. Yeah. Like, fuck you, you know? And he had every right. Like, it just sucked, you know? And it was just... He was like, I don't want to hug you. I don't want to be next to you. I don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to do anything with you because the second we, you know, are nice to each other, people are going to think we're like together. And like, it was just awful to have to go through that with your sibling, you know? And we're so close in age and, you know, coming from a Christian root and coming from a Christian school, like people just thought we were like these weird ancestral, like Christian siblings, but definitely not true. Anyways. And so that was a big thing. And then, um, yeah, I went through like my first heartbreak and that's a whole other story. And just so many things, guys, like even without all that happening, like being a teenager is so fucking hard. But anyways, so when I stopped dancing, um, I gained when I stopped dancing professionally. So I, I, I messed up and forgot that part. So when I got into high school, I decided to quit professional dance and just start doing the drill team so that I could have a real life because yeah. I didn't want to go to dance classes after school anymore. I didn't want to have to have external PE because I could not have done both. Like you can't do drill team and do professional company dance like that. So I chose and I was like, you know what? I'll just do drill team. Like it'll be fun. It'll be great. Wrong. <laughs> um, worst decision of my fucking life actually. And yeah, I gained weight because I wasn't like, um, again, completely different level of dance. So I was not as active as I was. Yeah. And, you know, started eating more. I gained, you know, a couple pounds. And then I got really insecure about my weight gain that I started starving myself. And 
I remember I was at our local gym at Lifetime Fitness and I was running and I had an eight and three to four days and I completely passed out and hit my head really hard and like I had to do like a medical check on me and like it was just so embarrassing. I like never went back. Um, but yeah, I was like really, really skinny. I lost a lot of weight in like a month and then oh, this is hard to talk about, but like I um if I had like ate on a Sunday. Like I wouldn't go to school on Monday because I wanted to have like a whole 24 hours where like I didn't eat before. Like I went to school, so I didn't look fat. If you had eaten on Sunday. Then I would skip Monday and then I'd be like, okay, I just won't eat on Monday and then I can go to school on Tuesday because then I'll have like a full 24 hours of not eating and I'll look good. Like that's how insane I was about it. It was like I was had a really, really nasty eating disorder and um, then I started getting into self-harm and, um, just could not get out of bed. Like I just stopped. Like, I think everything just shut down for me and I just yeah couldn't. Well, I mean, why would you want to go to that environment? Yeah. And it was hard. I mean, it was anyways. So that's where I was kind of at at that point. Yeah. Um, just like really deep into an eating disorder. I was like 97 pounds. And I um, just couldn't get out of bed. I was just so depressed and numb. I couldn't do anything. I didn't get on my phone. Like, I would just stare at a wall all day. Mm -hmm. And um, then I had my first suicide attempt. And it really, like, scared my parents, of course. And then I started going to an inpatient program. I'm sorry, outpatient. I never did inpatient. I started doing an outpatient program where you just, like, go to like a mental health facility for a couple hours. They take you home, you go the next day and then you go home and you go the next day. So I did that. Um, but I was just around like people that were doing a lot of drugs and that was never yeah. my thing. Like I was just suicidal and had a really bad eating disorder, not just, but like, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't doing drugs or like having sex or doing like anything weird. Um, so, um, that didn't help. And then my therapist was trash and that didn't help. And then I got like a kind of good group of friends at that time, Hannah and Bailey and Caitlin, and they were older than me. They were all seniors and I was a sophomore. And I always had been friends with older people because the girls my age were just fucking terrible. And they were just, they were like big sisters to me. And they were like my group, you know, Mm -hmm. just like my crew, my group. And they- Were they on the team? mm -mm, Bailey was, but the other two weren't. And- um yeah, Bailey introduced me to them. And I don't know how I honestly would have gotten through a lot of the stuff I went through. Oh, it's gonna make me cry without them. Like they're very, 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 very special to me at that time. And um, anyway, so all of that was happening around that time period. And then I remember we were all, they're all in my room and they were like in bed with me because I like wouldn't go, they would all come to see me because I wouldn't leave my house. Like they always would just come over and my my room was a pigsty. Like, it was just, like, depression central. Like, just, yeah. like, awful. And they're like, we're going to come and, like, clean your room with you tomorrow. And, like, we're going to pick it up. Like, we're going to get you going. Like, it's going to be good. Like, we're going to clean up. Like, we're going to get your life back together. And you're going to go back to school, like, next week. And, like, everything's going to be good. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then they left. And then my dad came to my room. And he's like, I just want you to know that I love you so much. Oh, it's going to make me cry. And whatever happens in life, like, I'm always going to be here for you. And like, you're going to be okay. Like, everything's going to be fine. I'm like, that's so weird that he's saying this to me. Like, he never says that kind of stuff. I mean, he does, but like, it just felt like very different. Um, It just felt really, really different. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay, that was weird. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get a tissue. Um, yeah. And so then I went to bed and just like was assuming the next day I was going to wake up. My friends were going to come over and we were just going to like hang out and like clean my room and it was going to be like fun and fine. Yeah. Um, And it was like 2 a.m. Oh, Paul's bringing me. Thank you. Sorry. I didn't think I was going to cry. <laughs> I've cried a lot about this. It's just so many memories going through it all. But anywho. Um. Yeah. So I was sleeping. It was 2 a.m. and the lights turn on and there's these two large men and they're like, Savannah Boda. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you're coming with us. Your parents like signed off on this or something like that. And I was like, the 
fuck is happening? Yeah, like, excuse me. I was like, I was like, mom, 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 and no response. And I was like, dad, mom. And I was like, I'm not going with you. And they're like, you have to go with this. Don't make this hard on yourself. Once you get to where you're going, if you struggle, like, we'll tell them and you're going to be like in isolation. And I was like, where am I going? They're like, your parents have everything will be explained. Like, you're getting transported to a facility, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, can I hug my cat, Athena, goodbye, which is the same cat I have today. And they're like, we don't have time. Like, we have to get you on a flight. Like, you can't say goodbye. They're like, and I'm like, do I need anything? They're like, leave your phone here. You're not going to need it. Like, you can't have anything. They're like, just come. And I literally just had like a big t-shirt on and like pajama pants. And they told me to put shoes on. Like, I didn't have time to brush my hair. Like, nothing. We immediately shoveled me into a car. And um, I was numb. I wasn't crying. I wasn't screaming. I just... You know, my first thought, obviously, when they came in is, is like, am I getting abducted and, like, sex trafficked? Yeah, like, like how, I'm just, like, how do you rationalize, like, yeah, I'm just going to go with, like, you just believe them? I mean, like, they were telling the truth, thankfully, but you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I just, like. You're just, like, okay, take me. I don't know. I think I just was scared to, like, get in more trouble. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I was also like half awake. This all happened with, I'm telling you from the moment they walked into my room to the second we got into the car, probably two minutes. Like it was so like, this is what's happening. This is where you're going. Your parents aren't Get here. The fuck up. You can't touch your cat. You don't need your phone. Grab shoes and a jacket. It's cold. Let's go. That's... And so I just followed them and I got in the car and I started asking questions. And no and one was home. No one was home. And, um... Did you, yeah. were they all there? Like, you didn't know they were leaving the house. Like, they what? They waited up until after you fell asleep and left the house. Yeah. And they took my brother. Yeah. So no one was there because it's like pretty traumatic. And like a lot of kids, like, I guess, like cr- scream and cry. And like, I called for my mom and was like, Mom, Mom. She's like, She's not If here. you have to go through that, they should have to go through that too. <laughs> yeah. That's my personal belief. Like, if you're yeah. going to do this to your daughter, you should watch yeah. as they fucking make you feel like shit for <laughs> being dragged away yeah but so then they're taking you to the airport yes and a lot of people like when I posted about this they're like why didn't you scream why didn't you run and I'm like I mean I'm a minor and they sign over your rights to your parents like you're in their custody like they're just gonna take you back <laughs> like they're nothing's gonna ha- like I, I'm not stupid like I knew and they'd explain that to me they're like you like your parents signed over your rights to us. like you are property of us right now like you want to run? Okay. You're going to be on isolation. Like all of these privileges that you're going to have when you get there, you're not going to have any of them if you fuck up before we get there. I feel like this isn't legal. What? I don't, I just can't imagine this being legal. <laughs> so I'm obviously like, I don't know how bad it is when I get there, but I obviously like don't want to start off on a bad foot. And yeah. like, I don't, and I also was like, maybe my parents will think this is a mistake. And they're like, oh my God, like Savannah was like so easy and like sweet. Like, why are you sending her? You know, like she was so great. Like she was a bundle <laughs> of fucking joy. I can see where you're coming from. You know from. what I mean? I was like, I'm just going to like be the goody goody two shoes yeah. and like try to, you know, wade this out. So anyways, I had no idea at this point, like, what, what was happening was, like yeah. I was in my and also in my head I'm like okay maybe I'm going to like this really like you know bougie like <laughs> facility like maybe it'll be like New Mexico and like we'll have like spa treatments and it's just like a wellness center and we drink like green juice and like do yoga and like meditate and like <laughs> that was good thinking that was like my thoughts yeah. okay so then I get off the plane wait and, so a commercial is it a commercial flight yes and then you have like two bodyguard looking people on either side of you and you're yeah, in the two middle. large men and I'm in the middle that's crazy. That's like a movie scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we get off the plane and there are these two guys and then a lady. Um, and they're like dressed very warm and just like in like woodsy, like hiking clothes. And I'm like. You knew where you were going though. Like you saw the flight. Yeah. I knew I was going like, to Utah. Okay. Yeah. I knew I was going to Utah. And I was like, okay. Um. Anyways, I get off and then they're like, come with us. And they put me in this big, disgusting red truck child lock the doors and yeah (laughs) they're like we're gonna go take you to like a facility first to go get checked and so they take me to the like initiation place and they like do like a pregnancy test and they take your temperature and like all this stuff to make sure you're like healthy and like able to go and they're like this is like the last like good meal you're gonna have like is there anything special you want which was actually nice and I was like I don't want to eat because I was like anorexic and I was like I don't like I like in this I don't mom place well, where I'm like, like super eat anxious food. no I was yeah. like freaking out I was like internally like thinking like where am I going what's happening like this truck is dirty like this doesn't look like it came from like 
a nice place. Yeah. Exactly. And so then they're like starting going over like that I'm going to be hiking. And I'm like, the fuck yeah. are you talking about? I'm like, okay, that's fine. And so then they take all my jewelry off. They take all my clothing. They give me like the, the camp clothes. Camp clothes. Yeah. And it's like all of this stuff. And then like, and this is everything you're going to have. And it's this pack. And I'm like. Who's carrying it for me? <laughs> and they're like, you need to put it on and test it and start to take a couple steps and see. And then they like started putting rocks and stuff in it and filling it up. And they were like weighing me with it on to make sure it was like over a certain amount. So it wasn't like, like it can't be over 200 pounds or whatever for like your body weight. So like they're doing like the BMI and like versus how heavy my pack is and like whatever. So it ended up being like 175 pounds, my pack. And I remember putting it on and like wanting to like fall backwards. Yeah. Um, it was so heavy. And then they had, you know, a notebook and then they put me in the car and it was like a four and a half hour drive. And I get there at dark. It's dark. It's nighttime at this point on the 28th. And I, they dropped me off and they're like, here you are. And I'm not allowed to go into the group yet. Um, so everyone's sitting by a fire and I'm like, they just say, sit right here, like off to the side. And I look around and I'm like, there's no Nothing. cabin. There's yeah. no, there's no cabin and it's freezing. And the thing that I would say is cool once you're out there for a while, like you, your body adjusts to the temperature change and like you just can handle cold weather more. And then also they fatten you up a bit so that you can like hold on to more warmth and then like everything's very starchy that you're eating yeah. like beans and rice and granola and oats like just a lot of carbs not really like we didn't really have much like meat or protein when we were out there like it was all like carb carb not anymore carb. they get like eggs and bacon i know and stuff. they changed i read we're, the website i'm like it's they have shaped up quite a bit but yeah. anyways this girl sparks comes up to me which wasn't her real name we all went by nicknames out there because of legality stuff so what they, was yours they called me sb SB? Just SB. Oh. For Savannah Boda. Okay. Yeah, but Sparks came up to me and she's like, I'm going to be your mentor and guide you through this. And I start asking her all these questions. She's like, you just need to do everything they say. Like, do not like defy anybody. Like, or you'll be here so much longer. Like, you just got to do what they say. She's like, it's going to be okay. She's like, I know you're cold. She's like, I'm going to, you know, start a fire for you. So you have your own fire. And she busted me a little fire. Um, and then she sat down and I was just crying and I was like, I want to go home. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, it's so cold. Like, how do y'all do this? And she's like, you'll get used to it. Like, you'll get used to it. Like, I promise you'll get used to it. We're all like 14, 15 and 16. And, um, yeah, she just made me feel like very safe because it was like the first like normal person I was able to talk to in that whole 24 hours. And, and then like, sort of even get an understanding of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, another truck comes up and I'm like, oh my God, they're taking me back like this was a mistake. <laughs> and Callie, my friend that I've told you about that passed, yeah. she comes out and Sparks looks over. She's like, that's weird. We've never had two new members in one day. Like, that's weird. And so then they put her on the other side of the camp but by herself and she gets her own mentor. Um, Is and, a mentor like a person that's hired by them or are they no, like No, it's a a one of the girls. Like okay. I was a mentor for like three people before I left. Okay. So you're just basically like telling them like the ropes and like okay. just like what to do, what not to do, like yeah. how to behave and like how to be. How to get out of here. Yeah. She's like, you got to play. And I remember she said to me, she looked at me in the eye, she said, if you want to get out, you got to play the game. Like no matter what, like do everything they say. Do not defy anybody. Say yes. She's like, even if it's wrong and it's not right, you have to say okay. And yeah. I was like, okay. Um, then I had to go pee and she was like, uh, I was like, where's the bathroom? She was like, anywhere you want. And she's like, but if you have to go poop, you need to go behind that tarp because we have a hole. And she's like, and don't forget to powder your donut. I was like, fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, she's like, make sure you sprinkle your shit, basically. Like, no one wants to smell it or see it. So, like, you have to cover it up with some dirt. And um, then... Yeah, they bring me this little cup, a steel cup, and they're like, this is what we eat out of. And she brought me food, some rice and beans. It was disgusting, unflavored. And then she was like, I was like, what do I eat with? She's like, we don't have utensils. Just grab a stick from the ground. I'm like, but they have dirt on them. And mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, just pick one up that looks like you can shovel food in your mouth with it. Eat it. She's like, eat it all. If you don't eat it, you'll be punished. You're going to get in trouble. And she's like, in your water bottle, we had like three of these big water bottles a day like this. Like a thermos? No, not a thermos. They weren't like insulated. insulated. They were just like. A water bottle? Yeah. like Plastic. Plastic, yeah. And you're supposed to drink all three of them all day. And like, 
yeah, I didn't want to take my pants down and pee all the time. So I didn't want to do it. So I'd like open mine a little bit and like set it in like the bushes. So it'd like leak a little bit. Yeah. That's what I did like the whole time there. I like always got away with it. (laughs) Except one time. Um, But anyways, so then the next morning, or well, they take us to where we go sleep. I didn't sleep at all that night. You don't have a tent. There's no tents. Like it's just you and we called it a wig, but it's sleeping bag and it's like insulated and stuff. And then the guy, Ricky, his name was, said, you want to take off as many clothes as you can because it'll make you, like, warmer when you sleep, which he's right. The less, like, clothes you have on, like, your body, like, actually holds more heat. And then they took my shoes, and I was like, what if I have to go pee and I can't see? And that was the other thing that was so scary. I was like, when you're out there, um, because there's, I mean, we're miles away from, like, civilization. Yeah. It, like, even the stars, like, it's so dark, you can't see anything but around like the third or fourth week of me being out there, like I could see at night, like I could see trees. I could see like my path. Like I could see where I was going. But I remember the first night just holding on to sparks like this. And she was like helping me walk because I could not, I was like, I literally was like, I cannot see anything. Yeah. She's like, I know. Cause they don't give you headlights obviously or flashlights. Yeah. Like you don't get any of that. And then we wake up the next morning and they always would say, good morning group four. Can I get a sound off please? And then we all had, went by numbers too. So, what, and that your number would be like the time you got there. So at that point, I was number eight. So one would be like one working and working means like you're packing everything up because like rolling up your sleeping bag, putting your clothes on. And then two would be like two tying my shoe. And then three would be like three wrapping up my wig. And then you'd be like four getting ready, five, like whatever you're doing. And so then they would just keep doing that. And then be like sound off group four. And you'd have to like just keep talking the entire time. because I want to make sure that you're not escape so if they don't hear you they'll be like four sound off four sound off and so then i was like eight just woke up and then sparks <laughs> is like you gotta fucking hurry like we have to be at breakfast like you are gonna get in trouble like hurry and roll it i was like i can't roll this i can't fit it in my pack and so she like taught me how to like you know push it and like wrap it really good and then like, get it in there and then we go to breakfast and breakfast is GNO, grains and oats. And so just grains and oats. And then we would get powdered milk. And then you just pour water from your cup, like cold water in it and stir it up. And then just be like cold grains, oats, and powdered milk. And that's what we ate every morning. And then after that. Every morning for I, months. Yeah, for three months, three and a half months. Yeah. The same food. And then every night was like beans and rice. And then sometimes we'd get like pasta night. But the packets, you know, the, I don't remember the brand, but it's like powdered marinara sauce and you just pour water in it and it like turns into marinara sauce no idea yeah um so yeah so we did that and then we would sift and crush was the next step so after we ate breakfast we'd sift and crush so basically the fire was leave no trace to the fire that we had um you would basically get these little tins and you'd put all the coals in them that were left for the fire and you'd get a big stick that you could find and you'd start crushing them And then you'd give it to your buddy who would go sift. And then you would, there was one that had like holes in the bottom and then you would just sift the ashes and we'd be covered in black. Yeah. All over. And then after we did that, we would like um, roll up like all of the other stuff that we had. Like our, we had little mats that we'd sit on the ground. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't have to sit like straight on the like floor, but they were just like mats, but they'd get like holes in them from like the ashes and the fire. We'd roll them up and then we would just start hiking and follow our counselors, which weren't even licensed counselors. They were just college kids yeah. that liked the outdoors. So no qualifications in therapy. And then we'd hike for seven to 10 miles. My first hike, it was snowing outside. And I remember it being so fucking cold. And I was like, when? And we don't know what time it is or day ever. And then they stop us and they're like, let's do a foot check. And so we do every two hours frostbite checks on your feet. That's how cold it was. They'd make us take our socks off or shoes off. And they'd come by and like inspect our feet to make sure that no one had frostbite. And then I was like, when do we get to shower? And she's like, not till next week. And I'm like, great, that's fun. And I was like, do we have a hairbrush? They're like, no. And I was like, what do we shower with? She's like, the same hand soap we used to wash our hands before dinner. I have a picture of me in the soap, actually, that we used. Um, it's like just dish soap. And so then, um, yeah. So there's no there's no therapy at this? One one time a week with your therapist out there, Cody. Oh, they had one. Yeah, her name was okay. Cody. Okay. It was 30-minute session once a week. That's helpful. Yeah. The one good thing, though, that I learned out there, my favorite saying is, like, I accept the things I cannot change. Wait, have... Hang on. I just like way back in my memories. They say this in rehab too, but it's like, um, 
It's like accept the things you cannot change. Yeah, have, have the, the power, courage. Right? No, have power. the courage to change the things you can and the wisdom to know the difference. Accept yeah. things you cannot change. Have the wisdom, the power. Yeah. Wait, the courage to change the things you can and the wisdom to know the difference. And we'd say that all the time. And then we'd always do like this thing where it's like check-ins and we'd be like, so like you'd be like, Savannah, how are you feeling? And I'd be like sad. And they're like, and why do you feel sad? And then I would be like, I'm sad because I don't want to be here and I really miss my parents. And then they'd be like, and how, what are you going to do to combat those feelings? And I'd be like, I'm going to work really hard to get better and get healthy so that I can go home and see my parents. And we'd do that. And then we do like journal time. And then we had like school studies. It was like really shit education so that we didn't like fail whatever grade we were in. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then we would make dinner, make a fire, collect firewood, set up camp again, set up the tarp to poop behind. And then we would go to bed and then we'd wake up and we'd do the same thing over again every single day for three and a half months. Didn't you like what happened you told me something about like you weren't able to make a fire at first or something and yeah so they thought i wasn't trying the counselors they were like fucking bullying me about it it's hard so like it's called busting a fire we would have a bow and then a drill and you'd put a top rock on top of it and you would like do this motion and then you try to get an ember underneath and then the ember you'd put in like um like brush or like hay mm-hmm. or whatever we would have like sage and stuff and then you'd blowing it and it'd start a fire and then you'd go light the fire and I had a really hard time with it like a really hard time so they put me on fire restriction which means that I wasn't allowed to be around a fire in the middle of the winter in Utah and so I'd have to be alone and have cold food and so I wasn't allowed to have anything warm um, for dinner and yeah it was pretty traumatic and that was like it was just hard so do you do you believe that there's anything that's actually therapeutic about this experience or do you think that it just puts you in such a fight or flight that like you're like oh shit like I'll take my old life back yeah that part I would say that part for sure I think it puts perspective you know because when you're in that bubble it's like this is the worst thing ever but then you know you see that and you're like oh like life could be worse you know Um, and I think too, it just makes you feel stronger. Like when you're like, I can hike seven miles a day. I can live like, like I lived through this. I can fucking deal with these yeah. stupid little 15 year old bitch bullies. Oh no, like, for sure. Like if there's you know, ever an apocalypse, yeah. I'm, I'm shacking up with you. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was like the biggest part for me was just like, I can do fucking anything. I'm resilient. I'm strong. Yeah. Like I never thought I could do that. Like I never, like, I was, I'm going to die day two. Like I'm just going to, like, oh, there's yeah. no way. Like, there's no way. Like, I was, you know, little farm-on girl. Yeah. Like, I... No. Yeah. For you sure. know, and so when people think, like, oh, like, it's so prissy and this. I'm like, no. I, I like nice things. I'm a girly girl at heart. Yeah. But, like, when push comes to motherfucking shove... She can get down and dirty. I can get down and dirty. Like, she literally was... Like, she looked a different race for months on Yeah. End, they called me com- Pedro. Because she was covered in soot and all dirt my friends called me grime. Pedro because I looked so Hispanic when I was out there, and I had like this little ash mustache like this, and so this looked like very ridiculous. a little Pedro. Um, but yeah, that's like the gist of it, guys. How was the transition back to coming home? Um, well, I had night tears for a while because I was scared I was going to get taken again at night, and then my parents threatened a lot, like, "We'll have you taken back. We'll have you taken back." Oh, that's nice. So. Um, it was hard. I mean, I remember like being able to eat real food and shower. Like I cried the first time I had a real shower, like just like to have a blanket and a pillow, like just like basic necessities was like really shocking because it was just like from nothing to everything again. So it was like kind of overwhelming. Um, yeah. And then just like catching up and like so much had happened, like when I was gone and then everybody said I went to rumors were rampant. Yeah, I thought people, I'd come back and people would be like, wow, we bullied this girl so bad that like, you know, she had to get sent to this program. Like, maybe we should all be nicer. Like, I thought that was going to be the general consensus. Consensus? Yeah. Um, But no, everyone was like, she's in a mental hospital. She tried to like stab her whole family. Was what people said. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah, I tried to like murder my whole family. And that's why I got sent. And I was in a sane asylum in a straight jacket in a white room for three months. <sighs> So then I didn't go back to that school, thankfully. I went to um, an alternative school, and that's when I started, like, smoking a lot of weed and, like, became, like, very hippy-dippy and 
I went through my gauges phase. I got gauges, started smoking weed, like got really into crystals and tapestries and just like earthbound girly at heart. Like got really into that lifestyle. Um, Yeah. And then what else happened? Then I kind of straightened myself up after that. Mm -hmm. And I just became really family oriented. Um, Some other like little things happened in between there, but nothing like, you know, boys and stuff and just got my heart broken a lot and just shitty friends. And like I started hanging around someone that was like, you know, really heavy into Xanax. And um, I actually had like a whole month where I was like on bars and on Xanax in high school. What happens? And I stopped because I got a text and this guy, it was just a random number. And this guy was like, I had such a fun night with you last night. And I could not tell you what happened. And I was like, I don't know if I had sex with him. I don't know who this man is. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know what this number is. And I woke up at my friends and I was just so like that was my wake up calls. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened. Like, I couldn't tell you like the last five days. I don't know. I don't know. And this was like during summer of my um, senior year. And so after that, like I stopped being friends with her. I stopped smoking. I stopped being around anybody that was like a bad person. Yeah. Um, Cause I kind of got like, that's the issue about the alternative school I went to is like, you're kind of with the rejects and like yeah. you're with like, you know, it's not a public, like, it wasn't just like I went to another, when I'm saying alternative, like I literally mean like in it's an alternative school. It's not like, yeah. another option of a school like it's like where no. you go if you are pregnant and a teenager or yeah, it's like the school where the people who cannot be at be at a normal high school like and to. it's always like problematic like either it's yeah. drug use or it's like pregnancy pregnancy or, like teen pregnancy or, you're like, or like violent, violent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my brother had to go there yeah too for, so it's like for it's like the bad kid school yeah basically or the ones like me that just could not go well, to another public yeah. high school. And like, you know, I was like, well, at least someone can get bullied by these people because they're getting bullied too for being whatever yeah. they're going through. So we we're like all like misfits, you know, but it did get me into a really bad crowd, which mm. wasn't the best because then I started, you know, I got into bars for that month and I'm glad it was just about a month, but it was bad. Yep. And it all actually started, the whole bar thing started because I had such bad anxiety and um, my parents, like we have addiction in my family. And so they're like very big about me not getting on medication. Yes. Like my mom was like, absolutely the fuck not. Like even like with my Adderall that I took growing up, she, like she would like give it to me every day. Like she wouldn't let me have it. Like yeah. she would be like, Hey, here's your pill for the day. Like a baby, you know, which I, I get it. It's a controlled substance. Yeah. And so with that, and it also Xanax obviously affects your memory. <laughs> and she's like, you already have, like you're in your growing stages and you already have a fucked memory, which I did at that yeah. time. You know, she's like, you can't like, we don't want to affect your school studies. Like you need to have a sharp brain. Like we don't yeah. want you taking a drug that's going to like affect your memory when you're still in school. And you're so young and developing. So it was all like good reasons. So my antidepressant like obviously wasn't cutting it. And I was having really bad anxiety. And I was at that school and I was like talking about it with one of the girls. And she's like, oh my God, my boyfriend can get you some like Xanax. And I was like, no way. She's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And so I was going to initially just start taking it for my anxiety. But then obviously like everyone that was taking Xanax was not taking it for anxiety. And then I was like, well, what if I just take like another half? And then like it numbed everything. And it was like... I didn't feel anything for the first time. And it's sad, but like it felt good. It felt so good. Yeah. You know, like when I got high and stuff, like with smoked weed, like, you know, I would still, I'd actually make me have more anxiety usually. No, for sure. You know, like it was fun, but it didn't help my anxiety. It actually would, and if anything made it worse. And so Xanax was like the first thing that had ever like, cause I never had been an alcohol person, Mm -hmm. but Xanax I really liked. And, um, then I just started taking more and more. And then I just, that got to the point where I was taking like a lot every day. And then, um, yeah, I was just a shell of a human. And then when I got that text from that guy, I was like, had so much fun with you last night. And I was like, who the fuck is this? And he texted me back his name. And I was like, I don't remember meeting him. I asked my friend, she's like, girl, I don't know. I know as much as you know. I don't know what we did yesterday. Like, I have no idea. Couldn't tell you what we did all week. And I was like, yeah. And I just felt so dirty. Yeah. I felt so ashamed and I felt so dirty and just like disgusted with myself. And um, I went home and like You're blocked like, her number. Yeah. yeah. And thankfully, like graduation was about to come too. So we graduated and then I, you know, started going to NCTC because my GPA was so fucked from 
just going through everything I went through in high school. Like I was never in school. Never in school. Then you were in wilderness. And then I went to like a really shitty alternative school and like grades. Like I just didn't care about my studies. Like that was like absolutely the last thing I was thinking of. Yeah, for sure. Um, So my GPA was really bad. So I went to NCTC and I just like rocked it out. Like honestly, like I was like the queen at that school. Like I was so (laughs) smart. For the first time in my life, people were asking to like look at my test answers and like, you know, can I copy your like, you know, your notes? Like, oh, ask Savannah. Like she'll, she'll know like, oh, what grade did Savannah get? Like, you know, like, and it was like, it made me feel so good. Yeah. Did you go to the one right there? Uh, Yeah. I went to that one and then the Denton one too. Okay. Because I had some classes at both places. Mm-hmm. And like for the first time, I was like the smart girl. I was like, and I, I was just so proud of myself. Like I just remember like I don't even want to go to like an actual university because like here I'm like the smartest person. Yeah. And it feels good. Like mm-hmm. it just felt good to be the one that wanted people wanted to be in my study group. Yeah. Like people wanted to sit next to me because not because they want to have sex with me or, you know, do drugs with me, but because yeah. I was smart and yeah. I was good. Mm-hmm. And so I started raising my GPA and I was like, I'm going to get my shit together. I'm going to go to nursing school. I applied for TWU. I got in um, and everything was going really well. And then we obviously know that I've told this story a million times. I got on birth control um, and I started having really bad acne and then found aesthetics and life went from there. Um, but I mean, I've gone through a lot. <laughs> yeah. It, her life has not been perfect pretty rainbows no whole entire time but i'm proud of you thank you i know i i don't know if i'm strong enough to have gone through everything that you went through yeah i would i think you could have i think you don't know but that's how i felt too before i'd went if someone asked me if i could have done that i would have been like i would have probably found the sharpest stick possible and stabbed myself in the neck so i didn't have to do it yeah you know until you're put there you don't know what you would do yeah you mean you have to survive did your mom, like, like was it, like, Dr. Phil? Like, how did she even know about it? Yeah, this? I think she saw someone get sent there on Dr. Phil, which. Dr. Phil has been in some heat for the, yeah. for recommending those places. Yeah, but again, I forgive my parents because now that I'm a mother, if Cyrus was attempting suicide and, like, I tried out patient programs and therapists and, like, also they didn't have the tools to help me. Like, yeah. like, I kind of, like, now that I've gone through that, like, I feel like I would be able to be more of a support to Cyrus, but, like, my parents didn't know what to do. Like, they didn't have those tools. They didn't understand it. And so they did what they thought was best. And, like, I'm alive today because of it. You know, I don't—I couldn't sit here and be like, I don't know if I'd still be here if I wasn't put yeah. in that position to where it was do or die, you know? And I think it's, like, somewhat— like fair to give them grace because they're not mental health professionals no. they're not like this and you're their first and kid. they thought they were doing what was best yeah, once exactly. i got back and they really realized you know a lot of the stuff that i went through they're like oh my god you know like even the night they came to pick me up like they got there and they're like holy shit you know like what is this what is this yeah, yeah. and so i know they carry guilt with them they won't ever say that to me yeah. but i mean i i know deep down that yeah. that's not something you want to do yeah my mom's the same way she will not admit when she's wrong. Yeah, so that's our parents' generation is like that. Like, yeah. they'll never tell you that they fucked up or made a mistake. But I know yeah. when I look in them in their eyes yeah, when we talk exactly. about it, like, I know that they feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I know that they also stand by their decision. And I stand by their decision, too. I support what they did because I am here today. Yeah, it, and that If is things the were most different and I went down a hole and I, like, you know, started doing, like, really heavy drugs or, like, ended up actually going through with, yeah. you know, I you know, it'd be like, that was the worst thing they could have done, but they're very lucky. And I'm very lucky that it turned out to be a success and that it was something that shaped me into the woman I am today. And it made me Savannah. Absolutely. So I don't regret anything in life. I think everything we go through, we do for a reason and it makes us who we are. But you probably don't recommend those types of places. Um, it's hard. Again, I think two things can be true. I think there are some kids that do need, especially I think they've changed a lot, some of the programs and how yeah. they were. And I think too, like when you're at your last resort, especially if you're dealing with a violent kid or a drug thing, like I definitely think, do I think for a depressed girl, it's the best place or someone with an eating disorder? I think maybe something a little bit more fluffy and luxurious, not luxurious, but just well, I feel not like maybe even- living outside. I just think for kids that are violent to their parents and defiant and doing drugs and acting out and being terrible terrors, 1000%, I think they need to go to this program. Yeah. I mean, it's just to me, it's like that those types of people from at least your class didn't get better when they left. Because we were dealing with 
a completely different disease. Oh, yours was only... Depression, okay, self-love. There's different groups. Yeah, so, like, I, I wasn't with that. the druggies. Like, yeah. I wasn't with the, like, violent teen pregnancies. People, I wasn't know. with the violent people. Yeah. I wasn't with people like that. Like, I was with... A, our whole main theme was, like, lack of self-love, okay. eating disorders, and suicide attempts, and self-harm. Makes sense. So... I don't think that's the best place for yeah, that. Like putting someone who's disease. depressed into Yeah, I don't think it's a depression cure. company yeah. um, or place. But I definitely, I think if you're using and abusing drugs, if you are violent and acting out and hurting yourself and hurting others or your family, like, yeah, fucking send them to the wilderness. Yeah. Absolutely. Scare them fucking straight. Yeah. What's the difference between that and like, prison well that's either that prison or death you know and i mean they're gonna they have to get scared straight with that kind of stuff i definitely yeah. think for like what i was going through like anxious anxiety depression stuff i don't think it's the right place for kids Makes you know sense. at all it worked for me just you know and also too i talked about this in my video i think when you play the game and because you have to pretend to start being better like I would be like, oh, like, yeah, like, I'm so happy. Look at the butterflies. Like, there weren't butterflies. Because I'm sure you left before some of the people that had been there longer than you. I did. Yes. Um, But, uh, I mean, it's fucked up system because then, like, my therapist there was like, Savannah's not better. Like, she, which I wasn't. I was just faking it because, and that's the thing, too, is, like, why I always say, like, positive thought, like, what you say you become. Because me gaslighting myself into showing everyone I was happy and I'm eating and like I'm happy I'm not gonna like off myself anymore I started to become happy yeah I did Mm -hmm. 1000% because you have to pretend to get out of there yeah and once you pretend for so long it actually becomes a reality and you're like oh I'm not uh, there's a point where it stops being pretending yeah you know and so that was a really cool piece of it that I learned. And that's when I was like, wow, like manifestation, like that yeah. really when manifestation, cause you know, I'm so big about manifesting manifestation really clicked for me when I was there. Cause I was like, I literally manifested myself happy. Like I <laughs> just pretended to be happy and now I am happy yeah. and I never thought I'd be happy here. And that's why I kind of had Stockholm syndrome because when you're stuck somewhere, you make the best of it. It's like, yeah. you know, when you see those plane crash movies and like they start their little community and they're like, it's their day to day. And like, they're just mm-hmm. like, you're not going to be miserable the entire time you're there. Like people are like, why are you smiling in these photos? Like I made really good friends with these girls. Yeah. And like to a point, like we fucked around sometimes too. And like would play like, you know, games with each other and like, yeah. you know, pretend to be like wild cats, the wilderness. And like, like what good is it going to do you to be down in the dumps? You're just going to be there time. longer. Like yeah. all of us were playing the same game of like, we're happy and yeah. we're not depressed and we're not going to kill ourselves. <laughs> send us home. Yeah. Like we're good, yeah. you know, and you make friends and laugh and have fun with each other. Like we loved each other. We were like sisters, you know? Um, but yeah, I think, you know, that's a big piece of it too, is just the pretending and then you're finally okay. But what I was going to say is they were trying to recommend a lot of these have kickbacks and that's like the fucked up thing about the, um, mental health child industry and these programs and just, what do they call it? There's a term for it. I'm so tired today. I don't know child industry of child mental health industry or something there's the term for it but the issue is that they all get kicked back so they're like oh like savannah's actually not getting better you need to send her to this uh boarding school down the street and then if i get admitted from second nature going to this new boarding school then they like get paid you know what i'm saying yeah. like they're like we'll give you commission to like feed them through the next program so it's sad some of these kids never get out Mm-hmm. They are just shoved from program to program to program to program to program to program over in a circle because the parents listen to these therapists. Yeah. And I remember freaking the fuck out. And I'm like, I am better. I've been here for three and a half months. I want to fucking go home. I've yeah. done what I'm supposed to do. I'm not, I don't need to go to a fucking boarding school. Yeah. Like I was like, I'm never going to see my friends again. I'm never going to see my cat again. I'm never going to see my mom and dad again. Like I'm just going to continue to be stuck in this like situation and I'm never going to leave Utah. And this stuff is so incredibly expensive too. And so like expensive. Parents, and my like, parents were like, that was shit. enough. Like yeah. that was enough. Like we sent her, it's been three and a half months. Like we trust that she's better. Like we are going to bring her home. Yeah. And I'm so, to this very day, oh, it's going to make me cry. Like, I don't know how my life would have turned out. I think if I had been pushed even further, because you have that sliver of hope and like that promise, like in my letters yeah. to my parents, like we promise like you will get to come back home. Yeah. 
And I think if I was holding on to that piece the entire time I was there and just like to be told like, actually, just kidding, you're not going home. Like you're going somewhere else is like the biggest fucking slap in the face. And that happened to so many of the girls there. Like I would wait because we like somehow would like sneak notes to like get each other's like social media so we could follow each other when we got out. And I would wait so long. Like, where are they? Where are they? Are they okay? They're coming back. And some of them never even ever got back on that Instagram. I don't know what happened, you know? Yeah. They're just gone. And, you know, others, like, I remember, like, two years later, and, like, I completely, like, at that point, like, kind of forgot about wilderness, and they'd message me, like, I just got out. I'm like... What the fuck? I'm 18 now. Where have you been? Like, yeah. you know, like, so much, like, three, four years ago, yeah. we, I, I knew you, and you're reaching out to me four years later telling me you just got out. Yeah. It's... And that was Callie. She didn't get to come home right away. Like, I didn't reconnect with her until I was 17. And she died when I was 19. And so it's just crazy, you know, that these, it's just, they never get to leave. And a lot of it isn't for the greater good of the kids. It's because they want money mm-hmm. and they want you to stay in the industry because they all make money off of it. Absolutely. And they want you to be sick and bad and wrong. And I mean, there was never once where my therapist said like she was ready for me to go home. My parents made that decision. I saw all of it when I got home. I like they showed me that like, they she didn't want you to leave. Like yeah. we did this. Like we saved you. We got you out. And I'm sure she made it sound way worse. Yeah, she literally said were. all kinds of stuff that like, you know, I wasn't ready, like, you know, that I was still showing signs of my eating disorder and that she thinks that I'll just get back to self-harm when I get home and like I'm just not ready and like all of these things and I was just like what the fuck. And I'm sure if nothing else worked in regards to that, I'm sure like when you got home like, I'm not fucking going back there. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. I'll eat my food. I'll go to school. Yeah, literally. I was like, I'll go to school. I'm going to make straight A's. I'm going to be a good girl. Like, yeah. I'm not going to do anything bad because you always have that fear. Yeah. But then obviously I got to that point where I was like, you know, I was 17, about to turn 18. I'm like, fucking send me if you're going to like when I started doing like smoking and doing yeah. bars and stuff. I was like, OK, I'll literally just admit myself out in two months. Like, but they like at that point, I think weren't really paying attention to what I was going through and they were kind of like removed from me at that point. I was really good at hiding what I was doing. Did you have a lot of resentment for them when you got home? Um, I think I just missed them a lot. More than the resentment? I think, you know, in the beginning when I was there, I was very, I had a lot of resentment. Like I remember writing a letter. I was like, fuck you. I hope you both burn in hell. Like I hope you die. Like I don't put me to like be your caregiver because I will fucking like literally like not take care of you when you're 80. Like that was my first letter to them was like really mean. Fair. I was like, fuck both of you. Like I'll, you'll never be my parents again. Like die, yeah. rot in hell kind of shit. And then um, I started to miss them a lot. And then I just wanted to see them. And then I realized that they did it to help me. And then um, but when I got out, like, I just missed. At that point, everything I had felt, all that resentment I felt in the beginning just kind of went away. Yeah. But then it came back probably three months when I was home and, like, go- for good. Yeah. I was like, fuck them for doing that to me. Like, I missed so much of, like, my, you know, sophomore year. And, like, three and a half months isn't a long time, but it also is in that situation. Yeah. And in high school, it's like a pretty big yeah. time of your life. It's like a half a semester, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so then I started going through those feelings of resentment and like hatred towards yeah. them again, definitely. So I think, you know, when I got, it just kept flip-flopping. Like I would hate them. I'd be okay. Then I'd like get triggered and be like, why did you do this to me? Like, why? Like, I didn't need that. Like, don't do that, you know? And then now that I'm older, I see it from a completely different lens. Like, I feel sad for a 15 year old me that that she had to go through that but I'm also like I don't hate my parents I don't resent them for it I you know they saved me and you know again like if I had turned out any other way like maybe I would blame them for Mm -hmm. that you know if I was a druggie or like I don't know like at a different place in my life like and my life turned out not the way it is today maybe I would have blamed them but the fact that I turned out and everything is the way it is like I can't be upset about that. Yeah. Like, I turned out great, so... I think a lot of that has to do with you, though. I guess. Not with the wilderness. I don't know. But... Any... That's all I got. Yeah. I'm talked out. I'm ready for Mexican food and a margarita. <laughs> well, everyone tell Savannah they're proud of her. <laughs> no. And that... She's not some silver spoon prissy... Ass bitch. I like the finer things in life, okay? But I worked for them. Yeah, you did. Absolutely. But yeah. I love you. I love you. 
sorry for crying. No, don't be sorry. I just I'm again. I'd ugh, not be as strong I just as you hate are. Talking about it sometimes because it's just so much. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's just like not things- just the wilderness. Like, and that's the thing is, people think it's the wilderness. It's just like thinking about. I'm gonna cry again, but it's thinking about just that little girl. Yeah. Like that's just what I picture. You know, when mm-hmm. I think about it, it's just how hard life was for me and just how sad that I was and like I just did not like just being in the shoes that I am now I just want to hug her and yeah. tell her like you have no idea how good it can how be. good yeah. you're gonna have a baby you're gonna yeah. have a business you're gonna find something that you truly love like you're gonna find somebody that loves you unconditionally and it's gonna be there for you you're gonna have a beautiful friendship like you're gonna have you're gonna inspire so many people like you have so much to live for and and at the time, I didn't like, think I was worth life yeah. of living. Like, I didn't think I mattered. I didn't think I would get through it. And like, I think out of everything, like the wilderness isn't what makes me sad. What makes me sad is that girl that just did not want to live. And that girl that didn't think she was worthy of love, of eating, of happiness, of anything. Like she yeah. just, it just, that's what makes me cry. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. I'll never be able to like, oh. I just wish I could have been there, you know, yeah. for her now. But you are her. I know, but and it's not. To me, it's like two different people. Like that's when I see her, like I don't see myself yeah. today. Like I see that as like just like a family member or somebody that um, like I don't feel like I'm that same person because I'm not. You're not. That was like a completely different human to me. And um, I don't know. I just... I just think you have to know that that same girl did the work to make you who you are. So I know. It's just, I feel so sad for her. And I just, I would never want anyone to experience that. And just thinking about that state that I was in is just, it's hard because it was just terrible, Tyler. Like, yeah, no, I, it was, I wouldn't, you couldn't pay me fucking, if you told me, you give me $250 million to go back and be in that same body and be in that same position. I would never fucking do it. Even for 10 minutes, even for five minutes, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. It, no one knows because it wasn't them, but I can tell you like the fact that 10 years later, it makes me this emotional. Like it was rough Mm -hmm. and I just wish I could have just hugged her and just sat by her side and just been like, girly like it's gonna be okay like i promise you like the same bitch that's making rumors about you is gonna be commenting on your instagram post in 10 years telling you how amazing you are like you have no idea babe so i know this is a lot and a very heavy episode guys but um yeah i was very very raw and open about everything (laughs) and again um my last thing i'll say is just you know Treat people with kindness. You don't know what they're going through. And teach your kids, most importantly, to be kind. I think, you know, kids follow what their parents do. And a lot of those girls that were really nasty to me had nasty mommies. Uh, Yeah. I think monkey see, monkey do. And so if you can do anything today is just lead. If you are a mother listening to this, lead by example. Be a good fucking person. Don't be a mean girl because your kid is going to emulate that. And when you're young like that, you don't have the tools in the toolbox to handle big emotions like that. Yep. You just want to die. Mm-hmm. And suicide in kids is huge. It's especially with social media. I mean, every day we see young kids taking their lives ten, uh, as young as seven mm-hmm. and it's not okay. So just be kind, teach your children to be kind, be involved in their life, know what they're doing at school. You're not going to know everything, but just try to know and just raise good kids. Yeah. We love you guys. We love you guys. Everyone loves you, Savannah. (laughs) Everyone everyone. who matters. Everyone who matters. That's what I'll say. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Goodbye. Bye.